because the way that matter and energy move within space-time are inverted. Matter has inertia. Energy has opposite inertia. It's um, radiant. It follows the path of least resistance, just the same as time does. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with a longtime listener of the show, Craig Flowers, a little bit later about his theory of everything, which he has been bouncing off us for a couple of years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it turned out to be a lot of fun. It's a great theory. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of good points there. So that's a fun chat. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and we've got a, another listener of the show. Jessica is going to join us in the intro and talk about some fun stuff. And uh, we've got... The one and only, Graham, I still get scared, Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. Are you nervous? No, not a little bit. I'm always <laughs> a little bit nervous. Like always when we're podcasting or just in general? No, <laughs> just when we're podcasting. Yeah, if I was just doing it, talking on my own, I couldn't do it. I need somebody to talk to. Oh, no. I yeah. Just quit. Yeah. So you want to hear about my latest biohacks, you guys? Hey, Jessica, how you doing? Don't have hey guys, a, what's going on? Hey, good to have you here. I don't have a grand biohack jingle. I can can I just tell you? Let's hear it. So I'm 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 in a rhythm here. Cold showers, cold and hot alternating showers. It's really helped. How many? And what do you mean? Like just whenever I shower, I do a cold hot uh, like for a couple two or three minutes of alternating back and forth. And, uh, I'm not eating between, I'm, I'm putting 12 hours between meals, like any caloric intake. So I'm on like a daily, what do you call it? Daily, um, fast kind of thing. Fast? Yeah. When does that start? It's, I've been doing it for two weeks. So like, oh, I yeah. won't, have you noticed I don't drink coffee in the morning now? I just drink water cause I try and go to like eight or nine. I see. I see you making yeah. your coffee. Yeah. So it's overnight. You're fast. Yeah. So from dinner, you, so from, from dinner, I see you, you're eating like. <laughs> that's because you're the entire time I see you. <laughs> no, but I, I can. But that's because I see you in unfast time. Right, exactly. So I'm going to make a prediction that we're gonna, in about five years, three, let's say three to six years, we're going to realize that we're not supposed to be eating three meals a day. That we're actually evolved to eat like maybe for a couple of days and then not for a couple of days, or maybe even once a day, or all these. We've we've been developed and and. um pushed into eating like three of these big meals a day and I I, and they're going to do enough scientific evidence that'll show us that that's that's not good i don't eat three meals a day i know you're un, abnormal I eat, oh. I eat lunch sometimes and mostly it's just dinner and then i graze in the evening <laughs> so i you could say i do the 12-hour fast all the time yeah you probably do yeah that's why i'm in such peak physical condition <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about that jessica at all Yes, I've definitely heard about intermittent fasting. I wanted to say that if you were doing it every single day, only 12 hours, I think that that's how you get diabetes. Oh boy, I better look into that. Yeah, I think it has something to do with your blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry to Girl, get out of your parade. What if you're not eating a lot of sugar? And so that, that's not just, it's not like I'm you know eating cake all day and then leaving it for 12 hours, but... but right, it's not like... It, it doesn't, I think it's, it actually has to do with keeping, um, as you get older, when you put your body through more stress like that, more ups and downs, uh, blood sugar high, blood sugar low, uh, I think it's, it's harder for it to 
bounce back, you know. Oh, that's what it, okay, okay, that's interesting. Because hmm. what they did is they took a bunch of people that, um, that were eating, you know, they snack at night, so they start caloric intake really early in the morning, and they snack at night until they go to bed, and your body doesn't have this natural fast, right? Because you only go like six or seven hours between eating. And they got people to right, squish right. that time into 12 hours. And some people even do more into like 15 and, uh, like they, they felt way better and they lost a bunch of weight and all this, uh, good results. So, hmm. yeah, I, I think then if, they did I think it for a year and they died. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> all heading that way. No, but, but I, I think if you're young, you know, you can, uh, jumpstart um your organs and and your metabolism that way and and kind of get things going and and give it a restart i think i think if you're getting older graham you might you know <laughs> sounds like there's a hint in there no no so I'm, young I'm as actually, in like 40s uh, young as in young so. 40s or yeah yeah i feel yeah, young I, does that count so you have a heart attack <laughs> <laughs> i feel i feel young <laughs> and everyone will be like <laughs> so so i gotta say the best thing about doing this podcast has been meeting uh people and meeting guests and, and meeting listeners and meeting local people that i can talk to about all kinds of this stuff like i didn't even realize how much of stuff i was interested in until we started doing the podcast and it really became clear and i don't really have a lot of people in my normal life that i can chat with so you know, ironically, Craig Flowers, our guest today, was one of our listeners, and he's been emailing us his theories back and forth on it. We had him on the show, and now it's good timing to have another listener on, you, Jessica. And uh, like I said, it's been my favorite part of this is meeting people. And it seems like there's a whole community of open-minded people that aren't really, you know, polarized or dogmatic about their views. And we talk about UFOs and ghosts and consciousness and... and um, yeah, I really like your take on some of that. Yeah, the the other day I think I was listening to who does um, where did the road go? Is that Joshua Cutchin? Yeah. And I uh, I think he said something about he had a, a basket of uh, interesting if it was true. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of smacked my forehead like that's exactly how I look at everything because I've had some weird experiences and then I've had some interesting career experiences and I definitely had the chance to see firsthand that things are not always that easy or that surface and there's always more to the story and uh and then like i said earlier when we were chit-chatting nobody wants to hear that or very few people (laughs) and so you find yourself at cocktail parties smiling and holding back all the time so yeah it's like when i listen to podcasts um i started back in like 2004 i guess and uh, wow. it was like all the friends that I didn't have, you know, all the people talking <laughs> about the things that I was thinking about. Like, thank goodness I'm not the only one. Yeah, I remember, I remember saying to people, and this is six or seven years ago with podcasts. I mean, I was saying, if you want to learn about anything or if you want to talk about, hear people talking about anything at all, you can just search it and listen to it on a podcast. It was amazing. There's always some expert, somebody who studied something for 20 years and they wrote a book and then somebody's interviewing them and you can listen to them speak and they'll talk like they're so happy to talk about, you know, this thing they spend so much time on. Uh, You end up getting a lot out of it and then you do your own research and then you'll hear somebody else talk about something completely different. And because you don't have, you know, you're not like going for your graduate degree and trying to please a bunch of, you know, professors or whatever, you're free to put these two things together and go, wait a second. I think I see a connection there. Yeah. 
that yeah. might have been missed, you know, uh, or or maybe you're putting together things that don't really go. But anyway, you, <laughs> you hope that you're you hope you're you know you're, you're getting onto something, a bigger picture, and you're filling in the, the the puzzle pieces. Which it sounds like. So the the gentleman who was on earlier, it sounds like he was kind of he had a theory of everything too, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Technically, it'll be on later. Yeah, it'll be on after we chat here, and oh. it was about time uh-huh. time being more of a particle of quanta or how do you, I don't even know how to say it properly, a quanta, but it was interesting because he had sort of rejigged the whole, the whole, uh, equation and it includes time in it. And it's, it's just really fascinating. And he had an experience and he had a download experience, um, that sort of gave him this idea. And then it took sort of years for him to, uh, externalize that theory onto paper. And it was sort well, of, you, uh, you know, you, again, coming from this yeah, experience. But, you know, what's great about that is that even if he's not exactly right, um, whatever ideas he's had that he starts to talk about and relate, it'll spark somebody else to think something else that, you know, could be provable, could be provable in an experiment, could be. It's just, it's the free flow of ideas that really counts. Exactly. And that's what you were talking about. The power of this, right? The power that we have of talking about these things openly, right? Yeah, for sure. Although uh, the other day, uh, about two weeks ago, uh, when things started to kind of go sideways, I, I live in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, but I'm not from here. And I, I was talking to somebody who works in local government, and I was like, what is going on? I'm like, are people talking about what's happening? Or, you know, and they said to me, well, they said, people are talking, but they're whispering because they don't <laughs> want to offend anybody, which is exactly LA. Like, you just, and so- that's a further, like yet another, you know, isolation bubble where like there's no one to talk about current events with, where if I were, you know, say in New York or something, people would be like yelling, you'd be arguing with your cab driver about it, you know, like here, nothing. Isn't there some weird things about LA too you're mentioning? You have do you have a, any theories brewing on your your city? I do. I've I've lived here about um hmm, like twelve twelve years now. Uh and there's definitely, uh, the land is different. Uh, there's some things about history that people don't really understand. Like Los Angeles, you know, went from basically like 1900. It was mostly, uh, I think what's Hollywood, West Hollywood, you know, Culver city, all that. It was mostly like ranches and orchards and, and then it boom exploded into like more of an actual city. There was, you know, railway and and people started doing housing i mean it went from like zero to a hundred in three seconds and um before that it was it, you know it, it became that it was it was um the chumash people lived here right for i think thirteen thousand years and then the spanish came through and and then you know the americans pushed west and um in a very short period of time, uh, we became from reclaimed desert to, you know, big suburban sprawl kind of city. Uh, and in there we've got hills and, uh, canyons and there's definitely sort of like earth grid lines, you know, certain places seem to collect strange deaths and, and, um, or just, you know, violent car accidents or like, but not because of maybe the, the way that the, road is, you know, designs, but more just because like, um, I don't know, like, yeah, yeah. They'll, like 
the area, like there'll be, there's a stretch of, there's a couple of different stretches of street that have like car accidents, shootings, weird things that you wouldn't have because they're nice neighborhoods, but they happen there, you know, like in that one little spot, maybe there's two blocks of, you know, sunset or something. And, and you just can't really explain it. The longer you live here, you know, there's another, there's an area near me that like, there's just a lot of house fires, a lot of different houses, like kind of, you know, just things happen. And then other houses, like they can't seem to get renovated or sold or they're just, it's just bizarre. You know, it's like things get stagnant and then other places have movement. And, and there's, there's a story in there somewhere. And we have, I think here more mysterious, scandalous deaths than I think, I don't know, anywhere else in the U S I can't, maybe Chicago, but I don't think so. I think we, I think, I, I think we own it. Huh. It's funny because there's a couple, every city I live in, like I've lived in Vancouver and Calgary and there's a street, usually it's a very popular street, which businesses you'd think would have a better chance of succeeding there, but succeeding, I can't say it, succeeding there. Succeeding. And, uh, and yet there's all these, these spots, like a corner spot here in Calgary, there's another couple spots on the main road that just, they seem to turn over all the time. They just can't get their businesses working. I wonder if it's a similar type thing, like something's going on with the energy. And it's just, it's just oh. every, you know, one restaurant after another, one bar after another, and they can never make it work. Yeah, no, there, there was a place like that, um, that I worked, uh, briefly <clears throat> in New York. And, uh, and then finally the corner, uh, these crazy guys, like literally they were crazy. Uh, they, they bought the place or they leased it and they, you know, set up their restaurant and they were the ones to stick. And I definitely had to do with the fact that they were nuts. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then lately, there's a lot of this occult stuff, you know, from Hollywood being exposed, or at least a little bit more than it was before. So that must be an interesting, uh, you know, change in Hollywood, maybe kind of opening the veil. I, I, I find that so painful and and so irritating when um, people talk about things that they like, they kind of halfway understand. Or they understand it, you know, sometimes it's interesting that they understand it from their perspective, but they don't, they make these assumptions about how these things come about. And um, sometimes I think, first of all, you know, if you're creative, then you probably have come across a bunch of occult ideas because there's just, I think that has something to do with creativity. Mm -hmm. Again, thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's like, what is a cult? And then um, there is something about the land here that definitely, you know, we, we have a preponderance of spiritual movements and, you know, all sorts of different uh, centers that have their own little interesting bent uh, look on that. Um, wow. Like so many places just went through my head and we'll get to them one day, but yeah, like it's, and, and I think, you know, it's um, sometimes just brushing up against those ideas because they're here or because this place, you know, being kind of the wild west supports that sort of like spiritual exploration um, something about the desert seems to also be maybe like a bit, you know, I don't know, sort of heightens the energy and spirituality. I have no idea. I just know that it's not like this weird. I, yes, I'm sure there. Yes, there are people who get together and do rituals. Why not? There are also people who get together and, you know, they have a party and it becomes an unintentional ritual because a bunch of the people there are creative and then somehow they play off each other and then it becomes something. And then, you know, and then and then there's some intentional stuff. Sure. Yeah. You know, but I it, like, it doesn't really happen. The, the thing that happens here, here's an anecdote that, you know, is one of those stories that you guys might 
think is fun. Um, I was uh, at the La Brea Tar Pit a number of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, and there was a young lady talking on her cell phone, which was inappropriate in itself. But she was talking to a friend about somebody she was dating, and she was saying, well, you know, she was talking about, you know, his background. She's like, oh, he, he went to uh, George Washington University, and then he worked for an NGO overseas, and now he's uh, back here and he's working on some project. And I think the implication was that he was either uh, either a writer or a producer. And I just started laughing because I was like, she did not hear what she just said. Like, she didn't hear who this guy is or what he really does for a living or, you know, why he might be doing what he's doing for a living or I don't know. And I repeated the story to um, uh, an acquaintance of mine who's an agent at a creative artist agency. And he laughed like I laughed. I didn't have to explain to him what the backstory was. And all he said to me was like, could you tell what project it was? And I was like, no, I, I, I couldn't. She didn't say. And he's like, oh, he's like, he goes, I got to look it up. So, um there is like this tie here, this certain propaganda thing, you know, that happens between the government and, and that's real, you know, like money comes in, um, you know, it's, there's certain ideas that are desirable to see in entertainment and in television and in movies or video games or whatever people are working on. And yeah, that yeah. really does happen. And she like, this girl was, she's like, you know, I don't know, in her very early twenties. And she didn't understand that she was saying that. And, yeah. and I thought that was hilarious. Huh. So, yeah. So that's kind of how it is. And what about your, didn't you have a, a ghost type experience in, in LA too? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I've actually had a few. I, the, the one, the one that's the big one, uh, it lasted about two months. Um, and I'm not comfortable speaking about it kind of right now because, you know, yeah, it's like it's people, there's people who live there. There are people who knew this person you know, she passed away actually before uh, I was even born, but there's still people who knew her that are alive. Like it's, it's kind of awkward. It's not really, it's kind of strange. Um, I don't know. And then, yeah, I'm sorry, Graham. No, you don't have to get into it. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was like a, you know, like a couple, was it, what, cause I emailed you about the other, there was another one up the street. There was a building, was an apartment for rent. And I walked in. Yeah, that's and I had the, the one sense of an about. older. Yeah, that's cool, the one I'm cool. About, yeah. yeah, right. Because that was the other one. Kind of falls into the mysterious deaths one. But this or did one I read was, that? I might have even read that one on air actually on a previous show. I'm not sure. No, you didn't. Okay. Because I, I, I see. Yeah, because yeah. I was. I was very like I don't even know if we should you know say who this person is because it's just so dicey. But right. um, so yes, so uh, no, I, I went to look at this apartment and I walked in and I had the sense of an older gentleman and I thought, huh, like, you know, maybe an older gentleman had lived there before, you know, it had become vacated and it was renovated. And everywhere I looked in the apartment, you know, I, I felt it and the building itself was really nice. It's very unique. The way it's designed is really unique. I've always been curious about it. So I was really happy to see a, a vacancy come up and I was with my, uh, my son at the time, he was two and a half and, uh, as I got into the back bedroom, I had, I really had the strong sense of this, of this, like an older guy. And my son runs in the room and he said, mommy, mommy, tell me about the man who works here. <laughs> and we were alone. And I thought, oh no, 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 no. And I just took him by the hand. Uh, Cause little kids are, they're really young and they're open and I didn't know what was going on. And we just, we just left, we walked out and I let it go for like a year and a half. And then there was finally another vacancy sign and I called the number and I spoke to the manager and I asked her about that vacancy and she remembered it. And she said, oh yes. She's like, no, it was a young person that was living there. There was no old man. And I thought, oh, that's so strange. Okay, well, thank you. And I hung up and two hours later, she called me back and she said, well, actually she's like, I've been the manager here for like 30 years 
And the, the gentleman who designed the building was an architect and he used to live here with his wife. And uh, when I first moved in, uh, I used to help. He was getting uh, older in years and I used to help him uh, around the property, like change light bulbs and do little yard work and stuff. And his name was old man, Sam. Uh, and he's, and I thought, oh, she's like, that's the man who worked here, you know? And, <laughs> and we went, oh, and so, yeah. So then you, you know, like note to self, you know, it's not just you who sometimes gets a sense of these things. Yeah, exactly. You and the little kids. Mm. And dogs. Were you? Cats. And dogs. Cats. Maybe not Darren, cats. you have cats. Yeah, I got cats. <laughs> so do I. Fucking cats. Darren's got a thing with cats. Actually, he liked my cat Zeus. My cat Zeus is a he's a, a hero around I here. I like now. my one cat too, Tiberius. He's yeah. pretty cool. He's fat as fuck. Is he fat? Oh uh, yeah. He's like not even a year old and he's like Really? I'm considering we're considering if we have to like not have this, the dish full all the time. <laughs> all he does is eat and sleep. So what were you gonna were you gonna ask something else, Sarah, Jessica? Um, no, I was just going to mention that, um, cats are, are evil alien overlords and, um, I'm pretty sure they, they're actually in charge of everything and they're just playing us. Come on. <laughs> Not my Zeus. If you have one. Not my Zeus. You know. I did have a weird experience the other night where he was, uh, I think he was licking my face in the middle of the night and I was dreaming that he was licking my face and, and he was, and I woke up and he was doing what I was dreaming he was doing. And we had this weird moment and he jumped off me and scratched me on the way, on the way out. It was super creepy. And then he got you to get up and feed him, which is what he was looking for, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> That's like me too. Whenever my cats are super affectionate or like being weird, it's always because either the food dish or the water dish is empty. Really? They know how to get there. Little fuckers. Yep. So yeah, well, thanks for uh, joining us, Jessica. We could probably wrap this up now. Darren, do you want to do you want to talk about the spiel? Or is there anything else you want to mention, Jessica, about the, all that? No, I'm I'm great for now. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, it was so less scary than I, you know, built it up in my mind to be. So so thank you. There you go. Well, yeah, it's it's nice to have some open-minded conversations with people that uh, listen to the show. It's good to get people involved. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. You know, because occasionally you would talk about something, it would spark me. And I would email you, and and I really appreciate that you responded. So thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we try. That's and- why we give out Graham's email. <laughs> <laughs> Spam Graham. Yeah. No, I but I don't uh, even respond to Graham's emails. When you formulate more of that of that stuff, maybe we can uh, do this again, or you can. I mean, you're you're even thinking about writing something down, right? Eventually, and yeah, we could do a full absolutely. Interview. Yeah. Well, thank yeah, thank you. I mean the the. the there's so many, you know, little threads and, and they do all kind of lead back together. And it's amazing how like you start to research one thing and it just keeps going. And then you get, Oh, and th- that's not appropriate for the America show. It's too much already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you want to try and pare it down. So yeah. Thank you. No problem. Right on. Darren, you want to do your little spiel? Uh, we, well, we can still, we'll just get into it after. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll let you go then, Jessica. Okay. Thanks guys. Okay. I'm going to ring off. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Which spiel? The support the show spiel. Oh, are you still recording? That makes sense.
Yes, I'm still recording. All right. Darren and Graham what are you doing? Going deep. What are you doing? It's a you're ready. Of course you're ready. Quote of the week. 210 episodes, you better have a figure out. <clears throat> Words to ponder and critique. I had it here. Yeah, I got it ready, of course. I just wanted to hear the whole jingle. So we made several attempts to follow it, or should I say get closer to it, but the object seemed aware of us, and we were occasionally successful remaining motionless and allowing it to approach us. Like a T-Rex. Which it did on several occasions. Each time the object neared us, we experienced radio interference. The object was shaped like a football. The edges, or should I say outside of the object, were clear to us. The glow was emitted by the object, was not a reflection of other lights. That's from uh, California Highway Patrol Officer Charles A. Carson, California, U.S., August 13, 1960. The object was also witnessed by police officer Stanley Scott. There you have it, buddy. Huh. Another good one. It was okay. Ooh, you looked offended. No, not at all. Yeah, you looked, no. you looked a little offended. I just didn't have time to dig one up from the CIA archives, from the document dunk. There's lots in there. Doc so, dump? Are you still going through that? Yeah, a little bit. Picking through it? Yeah. Right on. Got anything else to get into? Actually, we should do the... No, you got anything else? Well, I got a really, really interesting synchronicity, a small one. Sure. Let's do... Synchronicity, it's time for another installment of the... So, oh, this is good. So, there's so many recommendations of guests from people, too. It's hard to keep track, but keep sending them to us, because honestly, a lot of times, the, get the, the guests that the listeners have recommended have been the best. Yeah, absolutely. So this is from a new subscriber, and after this we'll thank all the subscribers, or thank you very much for subscribing. Uh, you guys have great guests, and the only one I can think of that I'd love to hear with you too is Kathleen Harrison. If you can book her, get her to talk about the female in the salvia plant. She is really magical feminine treasure. You two should be, you will be shifted after an encounter with her. Nice. I wonder if she heard us talk about the salvia, and that's why that came up. Ponzi said, stay away from the salvia. Oh, yeah? He had an army buddy that died from it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't have to worry about that, but you might want to stay away from it, Dan. Not like I was running down to get any or anything like that. So here's my synchro, and I kid you not. It was Saturday. I'll be the judge of that. It was, it was Saturday afternoon last fall. Oh, and remind me, I have a compound... Uh, of my own little thing to add to this. Don't yeah. wreck it. I'm just don't, expanding don't, on don't it. Don't expand it till after I read it. Don't wreck it. Don't wreck his sink. Though. It was a Saturday afternoon last fall. I drove around running my typical errands, starting with the farmer's market. I noticed this big burly man in the produce section. And then I saw him again when he got beside me in the checkout line. About an hour later, Five miles from where I saw him first, I looked up from a buffet, and he was across from me getting food. I smiled and thought, how funny. 
Then about an hour after that, I was at a four-way stop and looked across and there he was again. Now I was like, what am I supposed to do with this universe? So I came home and started to prepare soup and wanted to have something on to entertain me. I Googled Cliff High to find one of his latest interviews and Grimerica came up. Hmm, what is Grimerica? So I scrolled through your podcast playlist and lo and behold, there was that man staring back at me. It was Randall Carlson. So I found him on Facebook and wrote him about how I kept running into him over and over and he never responded. Oh, well, such is life. <laughs> that sounds about right. I still see him, but now I'm too embarrassed to say hello. Say hello. Randall's great. Yeah. It's just, he's his awesome. brain works differently. That's why I, I told him he's not a social media guy. <laughs> that it's not, it's nothing personal. <laughs> Forward me that email. Cause I'll be talking to Randall tomorrow night. That could be. And I, uh, so after, but right before I got that email, I had sent Randall the only time I'd sent them a note in uh, Instagram. Sacred Jew before I got that email. And I'm talking to Randall tomorrow. Yeah. Hmm. So that's kind of a double compound synchro. Boom, 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 boom. 7.92. Right on. That's it. 7.92. I thought you would have given him more than that. Nah. That's pretty crazy. You must be in Atlanta. Imagine seeing somebody like four times a day and then finding them on a podcast after. Just imagine that. Yeah, how that would feel and that's how they found Grammarica what did you think of the Randall Carson episode I don't know but there's four of them to choose from hmm. Hmm. interesting to know how she maybe maybe she needs to listen to that episode because she has something to add or yeah maybe build upon Randall's work oh, or yeah, he maybe. is it a he or she I missed that uh, Diane is she she yeah so anyways yeah thanks for the great uh email absolutely send them along over to spam and gramming uh, and support the show of course uh, we've got a bunch of new listeners lately so that's always good to see that means a bunch of you guys are are patting people on the back and spreading the word about the show which is awesome uh keep doing that yeah it helps pay the bills the monthly bills yeah and we we've have. got a few new subscribers so that's always awesome you know, I always wonder if we shouldn't, like, should we be mentioning people or? Well, I don't know, but if people want to be mentioned or they think they should be, just let us know and maybe we'll fit. We haven't really been doing that. No, we but... never have, but we do. Have, I mean, we have a ton of people that have been supporting us for a year, you know, years. Yeah. On a monthly basis. And I, honestly, if it wasn't for those people, the show probably wouldn't. No, we wouldn't be going it. at this no, point. No, it's just too much of an expense, really. Yeah, and I mean, then, you know, we took on a bunch of extra things, too, and of course, the only way we could have done that, or expanded, or paid for other services, and widgets, and add-ons, and that is with uh, the support of you guys, so you guys really are uh, the guys who make the show possible. Yeah, and we don't want to have ads, and we don't want to do the paywall. No, we don't want to get into that, but at the same time, we have, uh, you know, bills to pay. And uh, ideas for for growth in the future that uh, that that we can get into with uh, with your support, and you know maybe get a new web page one day and an app and yeah all sorts of stuff that we just can't do yet, but we'll get there one day. Yeah, you guys' help. So check out grammarica.ca/support. There's a bunch of different options there. You know, a buck show is all we ask. That's uh, the five dollar a month plan. It is the most popular, but we've got everything on the website from a buck through thirty bucks a month. 
Um, and of course, I can send you a custom number if you want a custom, and you you can do a one time donation there as well. And uh, if you can't support us financially, that's fine too. Um, you can spam grab your stories, your synchros. You can review the show. You can sign people up for the newsletter, including yourself. There's some cool shirt designs too, and I'm I'm out of uh, most almost out of them. So they can go to there's a Gramerica slash swag dot ca slash swag, and uh, that'll take That's you to right. Redbubble, and you can get it just shipped directly from there, and then we get a tiny percentage of that. I just spent like seventy dollars or sixty dollars on stickers. Oh yeah, really? Well, I wanted to have a bunch when we go down to Washington. Oh yeah, cool. So I ordered a bunch. They're supposed to be they're supposed to be here like, I think the like third is the last. Should day. you mention that too then? A trip uh, to Washington? Oh, are yeah, we supposed to do that? That's right. <laughs> we are supposed to do that. So we're heading down to Washington the weekend of March 3rd to 5th. Um, we're staying at a cabin there. Cabin in the woods. Might get killed. Who knows? That should be good. Uh, big thanks to Cy there. Um, so we're heading down there, and we're thinking that maybe on that Saturday afternoon we might do some sort of a meetup if anyone's interested. So far, there's been zero interest, so... But I mean, it won't take much. We're kind of just we're going there to meet a bunch of guys. Yeah, we're anyways, just going so, there to I mean, hang out anyway. So even if there's only a couple, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So if you're in the uh, anywhere within driving distance of Spokane, let us know. Maybe we'll work on something there. And uh, yeah, do a meetup or something like that. We've never really done one. Could yeah. be weird. Yeah, I've done lots. Not where you were the meter, though. No, the not meat-y. really. Not really. That's where it yeah. gets weird. Yeah, and thanks so much to Jessica, too, for coming on, and Craig Absolutely. Flowers. Craig Flowers. Yeah, and thank you for listening. Yeah. Enjoy the chat, guys. Hey, tonight we've got sort of a special episode. We've got Craig Flowers here. He's a longtime listener and first-time guest, as he said when we got on the phone here. Craig's uh, Craig's been forwarding Darren and I some some of his work. Um, basically, it's called the Heretics Guide to Reality. I believe that's what it's called. And and he's kind of written a, like a mini book out of this stuff. And it's really interesting concepts about space and time and sort of like a new theory of reality. So we wanted to have Craig on and on the show to. Give him a platform for his ideas, and uh, yeah, we just thought we'd do that for a change. Welcome to the show, Craig. Hi, thanks. My honor. Thanks yeah, for I sort on. of just spammed my way on, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, it can't always happen like that, but hey, why not sometimes? So, yeah, 
Sure, it can always happen. Like that. Spam Graham works. If you have a theory as good as, as Craig's and you spam it to Graham, you'll probably get on the show. Well, there was definitely... But Graham is not on board with the reptilian agenda, so you're going to have trouble getting that one past him. Or the flat earth. Or the flat earth. Yeah. Mind you, I keep getting more and more people telling me to do the flat earth. I don't know, man. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a lose-lose. We, we lose if we don't have a flat earth episode, and we lose if we do. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you come across that in your research, Craig? Uh, well, no, I, I didn't necessarily address it specifically, but don't, I did. Don't address it if you don't need to. Don't <laughs> just don't even yeah. tip your toes well, into I that would, water because it's. A I, fucking... I would say that sometimes something just looks a certain way. If the if the world looks flat and it's not, oh and it's round, then you know. Sometimes the universe may look like it's expanding, and it's actually not. Well, that's you one are, of the. This... You are a round Earth show, Mister Craig Powers. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of the things I wanted to, because like, a couple things really caught my attention, right? Like the uh, the universe expansion one, and then and then the way time behaves was kind of what sort of perked my attention and go like maybe we should talk about this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were a couple of a couple of ones, and um, why don't we start with how you started? Because you said you didn't you didn't even really stumble into this stuff until you were were almost thirty. Mm-hmm. So do you want yeah. to just tell the Genesis story of how you you, you even started the groundwork of the theory of everything? <laughs> well, it's, is that uh, what we're calling actually... it? <laughs> super relativity. It's super relativity. Isn't super that relativity. taken? Yeah. <laughs> I you know it's not taken on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> is the URL taken? Is it a definition? Uh, that's I don't know about the URL. Probably someone's already bought it. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to ask. I don't care about the URL. But, but that's a I'm good question, though. Check if it's not taken, I'm going to stow it for you. I'll buy it yeah. up for when you change your mind. So, but ha- have oh. people used that yet? Or I th- um, I it no, was, not as not as far as I know. Now, I, you can Google it, and some a, a couple of times the word has been used in a couple of papers. Okay, okay, that's about it. Yeah, uh, it's not trademarked or anything like that. No. So this whole thing, okay, so it comes about um, in a flash, actually. It was it was the exact same Eureka as all of these other guys describe, you know, um, sitting there in the basement. I was I had an empty basement. I just went down there to think and kind of be alone a lot. And it was just um, like supporting columns and a wooden chair and me and probably usually like a box of beer. And it just kind of hit me. <clears throat> I wasn't sure. Um at all how to articulate this for a really, really long time, for a matter of a couple of years. But I did immediately know what I had. Um, and so I kind of walked around in a daze for the next few weeks, just sort of muttering to myself or to whoever might listen for a few minutes. And I recorded a few things onto my phone that I later couldn't make any sense of. And I ended up actually kind of going pretty stir crazy about it, I ended up quitting my job. Uh, just kind of sitting alone for a couple of years, pacing around and thinking about it before anything really started to manifest as far as uh, describing what I had experienced. Because it was, it was, it was, a, it was an OBE of a sort, or an NDE, I suppose, of a sort, like as if I were about to just kind of have an aneurysm and collapse. But instead, <laughs> my knees... My knees kind of gave out a little, and, and, it, and, and an instant later, it felt like I had been gone for... And infinity, and just seeing everything from the outside. 
And so I, I kind of knew in that instant that, you know, the whole direction of life had just completely changed because I had started out, you know, um, sort of accelerated, I guess, in school, but really early on just turned to drugs and alcohol and just lost all interest in anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, when it happened, I had basically just a casual Discovery Channel's acquaintance with physics, and that's about the extent of it. Mm-hmm. Did, were you, were, was there anything that triggered it at all that you would have thought of, like like drugs or alcohol or some sort of some fever? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, there were a couple of weird synchronicities. In fact, that I, I've been meaning to write you guys about for a couple of years, but... They're just so long, but it kind of led up to it in a way, I guess. So there, I mean, it. The day itself was in uh, March of 2010 when that happened. The sort of like OBE visual that I got, but in 2003, um, or it was 2011 actually, because eight years before, in 2003, I was um, outside and I saw a UFO, and it happened to be in this exact shape. It was directly above my head, um, for sort of soft light, you know, like um, not not very well-defined edges, like fluorescent lights, mm-hmm. um, you know, with one in the center. Mm-hmm. And they, they were spaced. They seemed to be four separate things. But, um, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm like, a, you know, a, a farmer, you know, from a, from a dirt farm out in the country. We really do live in like a modern equivalent of Tolkien Shire here. <laughs> um, so sheltered. It's, it's wonderful in, in ways. But so... I don't know. I just couldn't react. It was too far out of my frame of reference. I couldn't even react at all. I looked away after a second, and then I did a double take, and it was gone, just like that, from directly above my head to gone. And I couldn't tell you, you know, a scalar distance because it was just too quick. But um, but it was there, and it happened. And I just couldn't really even think about it for the next few years. So was it like a was it like a flat triangle? Like you know, you see all these massive black triangles, or was it more like that uh, that graphic in your paper, which is. Uh, the uh, tetrahedral shape, like a like a pyramid, kind of. Well, it would be it would be just um, four sort of disjointed disjointed lights uh, directly above me. I couldn't see a third dimension right, of them. Right, right. It was just a triangle. How big was it? And, well, it could have been. Now, let's say if it was like only it, maybe relative a, a to you, the size up, of a quarter, or it was pretty small. It was real, real. It looked like it was probably really far up, a couple of miles. And if I would say if it were 50 feet, it would have had to have been, you know, 100 yards up or more. So it was pretty small. But I could I could see that those four lights were disjointed. They weren't one craft. I could see that much and that oh, they didn't okay. have any detail. Yeah, they were just in a formation. Um, and then they were gone, just just bam, just gone. And so I couldn't even address it in my own my own um, worldview, I guess. Until all these years later, when it, but then now there's a third one, uh, and this happened when I was about 12 years old. I was I'm half Indian, so I grew up on the reservation in in Wyoming, and uh, things work a little bit differently there. My cousin was leaving town, and I was about 12 years old, and thought, well, okay, so give me. Uh, he he owed me 13 dollars because I bought him a CD. So I said, well, give me a tattoo then. <laughs> we will call it even. So he gives me um, a little tattoo here on my thigh. At the time, I had just discovered and was well. I still, to this day, have an unhealthy obsession with Led Zeppelin. So I just thought nice. I'll make a little amalgam of the little signs that they yeah. use for their names. You Z- know? Zozo, that one, or right, yeah. And so I was a drummer and a bassist at the time. So I did the two signs together, which does happen to be this. You know, it, it's used for all kinds of things. Um, you know, it's the kind of radioactive symbol. It's just 
it's an equilateral triangle with a central point, but using circles instead of lines, right? Huh. So now I have this thing, this kind of half flower of life, right? If you take, you know, how if you take six circles around a central circle, you have a flower of life. We'll take three of those out, and you have this triangle with the central point. So I, I happen to have that on my thigh, and then I happen to see it in the sky, and then one day down in the basement, it just kind of boop, pops into my head. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, pretty interesting. So I've always, I've always kind of considered it to be more like a gift or even a burden than a creation or. or you know, I'm just tripping a little bit. That idea. I'm just tripping a little bit here. I have that exact symbol and a piece of paper on my car from a meeting that I had today. Go get it. Yeah. No, I can't go get it. I don't know. But I should. You should go get it. Why can't you go get it? Because it's confidential. What do you mean it's confidential? It's confidential paperwork, but I could show you because that's fucking crazy. The thing you just drew there, like this is exactly what I saw a presentation on today. For work? Yeah. Whatever, I'm going I'm you can show me. I should go get it. Yeah. Should I do it now? I don't know. Okay, I'll go now. Okay. Okay, you guys just talk, talk amongst yourselves. You can yourselves. continue the story. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah, there was a couple of years that went by where I was um, kind of floundering. I knew I had an idea, but there was nothing to it. And I would draw a little bit. What really finally brought things together was one day um, I had a beer box and I cut out an equilateral triangle. I can't remember how. I just had some particular length that I wanted. And it was, I don't know, for a little project of some unrelated and I cut out an equilateral triangle on this beer box and then just kind of, as a second thought, afterthought, I bifurcated all three lines on that triangle and folded them. And when it made this perfect tetrahedron, I just start, I just could not stop turning it over and over in my hands. And um, <laughs> yeah, I still have it somewhere to this day, this old uh, Bush 12-pack cans uh, that's been turned into a tetrahedron that just made the whole thing really start to come together for me. So you um, use the leftovers and, from the box to make the tetrahedron, yeah, not just, the triangle I'd, you cut out. Uh, I'd used, yeah, I cut the triangle out of the box, threw the rest of the box away, used the triangle, and there was a. I don't know. It was just. It was. It hadn't occurred to me before. This perfect uh, octave symmetry, you know, between uh, between a, an equilateral triangle and just bifurcating its sides and creating a third dimension out of it. And they're all self-similar. And I just couldn't stop. I couldn't stop turning that over and over. And, and this is by, by now it's about probably middle of 2012. And I don't have anything to write down. I don't have much yet. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of weird. So Darren drew the symbol on the table listening to you talk about your circles. And I was at a presentation today, the three-circle model. And it's exactly what Darren's drawing on the table. And they had all this, all this, all these papers well, with the three the circles. Yeah, is it? I didn't. I never realized it would be that sacred geometry. Huh? That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So you might call it um, like the flower of life. You might call it two of those polarized, maybe when they're in two dimensions, anyways. Um, and that's actually probably an important um, clar clarifier that I should just get out of the way right away. That um, I'm not actually like lifting this thing from the sim heramine, but boy, have we got a lot of the same ideas. And, and we come to a lot of the same conclusions. It's just that it's always from different 
from different angles, using different math, different approaches. Yeah. Um, um, I should mention right off the bat before we get too far in, I think you should be careful with your super relativity name because there is a, like a dot org that talks about the theory of super relativity. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, right they, now. Yeah. So just oh. before you start, you know, that you might, I bet you, you, or I bet you, you overlap a lot about it on it. Could be. But, um, but yeah, you wouldn't want to be, you know, caught sort of, uh, they might accuse you of plagiarizing their super relativity theory. Well, right now we've all we've got is um, you know just the declaration of the name in the Heretics Guide to Reality, exactly. and then of course a Facebook page, which only went up about like a month ago, and I could always just take down. No, I mean, hey, you know, you might want to just compete page. with them. Who knows? <laughs> oh, we'll see. We'll see. This is this is uh, the early days. This thing's in its infancy. I mean, as a matter of fact, I only really wrote it because I started spamming you guys about it, and I just kind of felt like, you know, I had to get it out uh, to get something for some people to read, you know, and now here we are. So wow. I haven't given that's, it much more thought than that's that. That's interesting. Yeah. And then the day we have you on, I'm learning about the three-circle model. <laughs> yeah, well, you do kind of see it everywhere. It's pretty universal. I mean, um, one thing, one insight that only you just really took, You just took my synchro mojo away there. Ah, oh, that's. I didn't mean. It's okay. Reality just, fucking kicks around the butt <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, here's something I just thought of the other day. So parables, right? You take three different perspectives of one thing in common to illuminate, elucidate a fourth um, sort of coordinate to give it a whole other, deeper level of understanding. So the parables that Jesus Christ used and swore by and and you know really held up are actually the structure of the universe. It's very effective. Hmm. Where did you go to school? Did you go to public school or were you taught at home? Yeah, or? well, no, I went here, uh, you know, just our little high school. And then I went to a, an engineering school nearby, a really good one, actually. But uh, I quickly found out I didn't want to be an engineer. Hmm. So Seems pretty yeah, stuffy. Don't actually, yeah, well, it was. it felt sort of slavey to me, like you get none of the creative credit and don't even get paid very well and all these hours. But so I dropped out and I just kind of never, never had any interest anymore in doing anything besides just kind of being domestic. I, I gravitated towards cooking and I just, I'm happy flipping burgers and, you know, deep frying catfish and I just, the years keep going by. So I'm not credentialed. And that's one of the reasons why it's been really difficult to get people to actually just delve into it. Like just give it a look, you know, let alone, um, informed criticism. Let's let's tease the tease everybody a little bit with with sort of the you know the end the end point like the the you know the climax is kind of you've there's a couple like things. Yeah, kind of, and then we can get back into sort of how you came up with it. Well, um, we do basically try and reconcile pretty much every spiritual tradition. Uh, they do all seem to have the one invariable truth in common of the of of the you know the oneness of the singularity of the universe that that matter energy space and time all derive um and 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 it doesn't there's nothing more to it it's just those four in perfect equilibrium um it's oneness diffracted four ways in a tetrahedral hologram um so they, t- they talk about all of the uh, fine-tuning, you know, down to however many decibel points it is of, you know, all these different things 
from you know the proton mass and um, you know that that are required to make physics actually work. That are required to have you know gravity work and worlds not just fly apart. And mm-hmm. they say well, this is this great miraculous mystery that we need to ascribe to some culprit. You know, but I say actually what we have is um, natural resonances in this um, equilateral relationship between those four aspects. Um, if okay, so if space, time, matter, and energy are equally relative interchangeable then their characteristics are actually perfectly predictable um and what happens is that you start to notice that everything is just a matter of empathy that if you take your perspective and look through this aperture at whatever it is that you're looking at there's this aperture that inverts the perspective to make everything become kind of inside out so matter and and you, know, and you know, in space, there are inversions through this aperture of, you know, um, is it time in that space that you can traverse or is it energy in that space um, that knocks you away from it? And all of these four, uh, space, matter, time, and energy, um, their characteristics are reliant upon each other. They're inverted from each other. It's so it's because matter and space are three-dimensional and are tangible, um, but in inverted ways of each other. Uh, matter is met projectile just like energy is, even though matter is defined by barriers and energy is defined by lack of stricture. Likewise, space and time are fallen through and pass by rather than being fall upon and smiting um, and striking things, you know, bearing force. Uh, having an inertia, but once again, in inverted ways of each other, space and time. It's all inversions. They're all relative to each other. And we can, we can predict because of that, that if, for instance, outside matter or energy is required to move matter within space-time, then the inverse dictates that it must take outside matter or energy in order to confine energy within space-time. They're all inversions. And this is because the way that matter and energy move within space-time are inverted. Matter has inertia. Energy has opposite inertia. It's um, radiant. It follows the path of least resistance, just the same as time does. You know, the, that relationship, they're inverse in a way too. Time being completely intangible. Energy following tangents within space. So once you, once you look at all four and all of these four relationships the way that they kind of all just invert on each other over and over um a, cl- a really clear picture begins to emerge and things start to make sense and you can just extrapolate from that almost to infinity i mean i can't think of a, a question that this thing doesn't answer well and the main the main new the new thing to this or the main component to this is time right that that it's interesting when I heard you describe time because I have a hard time wrapping my head around that and <clears throat> Darren's a little bit more fascinated by by time but the way time is like is like a, a matter it's like a new type of matter in a way or not, not I shouldn't say matter because you're using matter in the equation but it's mm-hmm. physical in some way like why can't there be a quantum of time because time is speeding up and slowing down depending on how close it is mm-hmm. to matter and energy right or something like that the way you described it was interesting it made me think of it in a yeah. new way that how can it be far the farther away it is from matter it's slower it's almost stopped and yet as as time gets closer to earth let's say you know or, or energy 
it speeds up, right? Yeah, and it's, or it's is, that, is that what it is? Oh yeah, it speeds up close to the earth, but not by a whole lot. I guess it'd be by a whole lot compared to no gravity, no uh, <clears throat> no matter. But yeah, supermassive black hole would have you know time to be moving at a, a pretty uh, pretty incredible rate. Mm-hmm. The closer you and, get and to once, it. Well, once again, this also depends on your perspective. Um, when you say time speeding up, we could be talking about only if you're um, there. Yes, yes. Durations of time from within the space itself or um, what rate of change we observe from the outside within that particular space that's going through those variables. That's right. That's right, because from the outside you wouldn't see any change at all. Well, yeah. Or it's, I mean, or is it the opposite? You would see a change from the outside, but from the inside you wouldn't see it. Well, you wouldn't see, I don't <laughs> think you'd see the change until they came back out. And then they'd be like, you'd be old and they'd be young. Yeah, but you're talking about a person, right? Yeah. Just because that's the usual example, oh, right? Yeah, what else? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really the only example. It's the guy. It's the dude in space. The dude, just in, the dude in space. Black hole. <laughs> so the dude in space goes up to the black hole and comes back, and it's been like 10 minutes for him and 100 years for you. He's like, I'm fine. I'm and fine. I'm old, dead. but I'm, uh, you're old. I'm fine. Yeah. That's, well, okay. So, that's the one way so, you could become younger than me. <laughs> how, how far would I have to go? Tell me like, how far I'd have to go and come back. Closer to the sun. You have to get close. I wonder if you could get maybe close to the sun and do it, but you'd have to hang out there for a couple of years. Or some yeah, a, a bigger object, you could just go quickly. But like if yeah. something's just a little more gravity of the earth, like the, if you were next to the sun, sun, you know, time would be, you know, maybe going. I don't do you know. think maybe that's why the, like the secret space program people just take off from the Earth and go away for a while and come back, and then everything's more developed. And well, they haven't aged at all. Like, wouldn't you want to do that and come back in like a hundred years? Because I think is I think fucking speed starts to play a role in it as well. So I think the faster you go, the slower time goes as well. It's also not a very good way to keep a secret space program futuristic. They'd come back and we'd be ahead of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> So is that true about time? Time then the the faster you go, the closer you are to something. Yeah, uh, it, of course we're talking huge, massive energies, massive you know um, objects, um, you know really exceptional circumstances and situations. But yeah, um, the closer you are to things. So so when you start thinking of time as actually having sort of t- lengths or durations that exist within space and they kind of they have an interplay and interchange between each other depending on their proximity to the rest of the vacuum this is where it starts getting very similar to sims hermine's work because he i mean you you know if you if you if you look at physics the very first thing that they did is to put all of the numbers through this renormalization process. Uh, they call it the com- cosmological constant, <laughs> and it and it basically um, it's the it's the thing that makes relativity and quantum mechanics uh, speak different languages because we You're have to about the speed for everything. Of well, I'm talking about everything above the quantum level um, has to have um, the numbers fudged for the density of the vacuum of space in order for things to work the way that they work. Now, we use the real density of vacuum of space to do calculations for nuclear, uh, I mean, I mean, um, quantum behavior. But once, once we're above the molecular level, we have to fudge all the numbers about the vacuum of space. So 
that um, our definition of the proton mass, um, the standard definition of the proton mass, falls way outside of the line of the margin of error of um, of um, mass for uh, over radius for the um, distribution of organized matter throughout the universe from all scales from the entire universe down to the Planck length. Everything follows the straight line of mass over radius. And um, so Nassim took out the renormalization process, went ahead and used the numbers, even though the it means that the density of the vacuum is effectively infinity. And we just have to just come to terms with that and just admit it, mm-hmm. which, by the way, nobody really has ever explained to me why physicists' heads explode when they get an infinity. <laughs> I don't get that. I don't know why. But, okay, so... This is where Nassim, this, Nassim says the, the, the mass of the proton equals the mass of the universe or whatever, right? Yes, right. The, I remember the that from the presentation. Mass. Like, I went to, like, a three-hour presentation. I was taking all these notes, and, like, it made... It was a brilliant presentation. It made so much sense at the time, and I came back to the igloo trying to explain. It was just a gibberish. <laughs> Sound yeah, like the teacher of peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you went and saw him live? Yeah, he was in Calgary, and it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and he stayed up on stage extra long. Like, there was supposed to be a panel afterwards, but he just took the rest of the day. and Well, not the rest of the day, but he kind of ruined the schedule. But everybody was just enthralled. It was really good. Well, I'm pretty sure his um, his standard talk is about eight hours. Yeah. It's quite quite a show. Yeah, this was only I only have about two, three hours maybe of of material. That's all I got. (laughs) So so continue on with that with that thing before I interrupted you then about the the proton or getting Okay, well so um if okay, so Nassim kind of did a lot of the hard work for me when he took out the renormalization process, especially considering that I don't really approach it from a level of formulas and math because I I just sort of think of them as lacking a dimension compared to geometry when it comes to, you know, um, purveying what's really going on. We can really miss some big things. I mean, even pi just goes on forever when really it's one of the most simple things there is. So um, he proves that the vacuum really is nearly infinitely dense, that the proton happens to have the exact right density to... um, to be the border, you know, between relativistic and quantum mechanics, but also uh, that it happens to be the right exact size um, to, um, I'm trying to think of the name of this guy's effect. It's it's the repellent force between two protons, Coulomb, Coulomb effect. So the Coulomb force, yes, the proton happens to be the exact right density to contain the mass of the entire universe, spinning at exactly the speed of light. The right size to overcome the repellent Coulomb force, exactly the right size, you know, for all of these things. And they say that it's some miracle. Well, I think it's just a product of scale matching scale and harmonizing. Fractal? The photon. Yeah, exactly. The photon is a fractal of the black hole and, and of suns and of space. And all of those things, they're perfect, precarious, miraculously fine-tuned precision it doesn't need to be explained away. We don't need to find a culprit behind the fine-tuning of the universe. The multiverse is not full of exotic places where the laws of physics make no sense. Rather, the laws of physics are a direct result of the perfect, balanced, equilibrium relationship between those four aspects, space, time, matter, and energy. Always there, always inevitable, always 
at the same scales and in the same ways and perfectly predictable. Every universe works the same. The proton is the balancing point between two extremes in scale, the Planck length and the entire universe, respectively. <clears throat> that balance being between inverted aspects of reality, Planck length can also be referred to as Planck time. So the balancing, the proton is the balancing point between uh, space and time. So it must form a boundary condition between those two aspects. Because remember, in order to form matter, we take, well, I didn't tell you this yet, but we take the time out of a space and replace it with energy. So a boundary constitution or a boundary condition constituting the very same inversion that it balances. Um, that's why a proton uh, is the boundary between a quantum of time and a quantum of space. And so you mentioned earlier, why can't we have one quantum of time? Well, we do. We just don't define it that way. We think of it as, you know, the um, the Planck length. Right. And, and I think that's where we've kind of fallen short, is thinking of all of these different things without actually using um, time. I mean, even the metric system doesn't actually, you know, account for variations in time at scale because they're, they're just not we, we, they don't manifest in our daily life you know? yeah 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 no i think you have to go like you have to get at least a mile up before you even change start changing by like microseconds the atomic clock kind of thing yeah mm-hmm. well but none, nonetheless you know um this this whole thing it goes about um it has you know, to be adjusted um, for though, like satellites are adjusted for. Yeah, and and superrelativity actually goes about you know um, predicting that bend exactly the same way as relativity does. Um, so where from, does you know, where does superrelativity start to really separate from relativity? At the proton, okay. <laughs> or at the molecule? Well, Is it bigger than that? I think really what you can do is um, you can take the E out of relativity and you look at it as mass times the speed of light squared. And then you take the E out of my formula, which is E equals ST over M. So that tells you that mass times the speed of light squared is space time divided by matter. And that's that's the crux is that I'm actually adding another dimension to that um, formula. I mean, everyone knows Einstein's formula doesn't actually account for energy and motion. So, um, Darren, I think what know. he's saying is that superrelativity is is combining both of those together, right? Like the traditional quantum physics and isn't, isn't yes, it? It, it, it takes that. it takes yes, it takes what we've learned about quantum physics over the last eighty years since knowing relativity, and it reconciles the two by adding time to the formula uh, by saying. Um, what we have here, when we look at these electrons behaving probabilistically rather than, um, you know, um, predictably, is that we are working within a single quantum of time. Every bit the same as we would be working within a single quantum of matter if we were looking at a proton. It's just that the only reason that nobody has actually, like, you know, empirically broken it down and said this is, you know, one time is because... We actually call it by another name. We call it the Planck length. <clears throat> and so it's only actually that length and that time under those uh, pressure conditions. If we change the energetic conditions or the energy density, uh, the Planck length can be manipulated to be longer. The, uh, the Planck time can be manipulated. Um, we just have to know this um, you know, relative dynamic between the four 
how to manipulate it. Because that's all I'm doing is uh, the exact same approach that Einstein used, which uh, the, his word for it, of course, in German was Gedanken experiment is not his word, but it's what we use for how he came about relativity is Gedanken experiment. One word in German mean, I think it just means thought experiment. It's just, you know, approaching it conceptually rather than analytically. And that's what he did. And that's what I'm doing. Um, but with the, you know, advantage of a hundred years worth of knowledge. So we re we we reconceptualize relativity from the very ground up, and we don't actually disagree with any of it. I haven't. I don't. I don't um, disagree with any of the established laws of physics. Just certain things about you know um, the standard well, model and things like that. Well, and, and you've come across a bunch of things as well that that you might consider so, dogma. So, like yeah, yeah. Okay, let me just make see if I've got this. Yeah, let, go ahead. If I've got my head wrapped around this properly. So basically, we're saying that the, that the main difference between relativity, relativity and quantum quantum uh, mechanics is that when you get down to that small of a level, there's not enough matter present. Like it, it it's changing the way time's reacting. Oh uh, well, almost. But it, it's it's because of looking in such a small space. Oh, because when, you're looking in such a so, so that's it's kind of like a spread out thing. So it's kind of like if you took a lattice that was two by two inch by two inch squares, like and DNA. you zoomed up in closer to a one inch square, you might not even know that you were looking at a lattice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, time can only you can only contain so much time within a certain amount of space. Once we start looking inside, so it's almost that, like you're looking through a sheet. Like if you take a really good microscope and point it at a sheet, you can look right through. I would it. think of it. I would think of it as like you're almost looking into the future, really. Are you looking into the exact present? Like you're actually watching those electrons as they are deciding. Deciding what to, yeah, 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 yeah. You're watching the probability turn into mm -hmm. possibility. And it's only because we're taking in such a small... Um, no, you're watching the probability turn into reality. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just before it does so. It's only possibilities. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I mean, it aligns with a lot of things. Yeah, it does. And actually, um, there can be said to be... Um, quantum actually of all four of these not just of time that people have been talking about you know uh, when they when they they mentioned that computer programming behind the uh what was it? somebody some some physicists talk about computer programming behind the universe itself so i guess like self do you think that they sorry, find this stuff do you yeah. think that no, do you think that you're actually looking so here's a question when you're looking at this this <laughs> minute section of time that's so small that you know it's not even really happening yet can you i wonder if that's can be related to like when people first started looking at atoms they probably thought that nothing was there because that central part is you know what you know what i mean like how an, an atom is like 99.9999 percent mm -hmm. empty space i wonder if times like that as well <laughs> well yeah, actually, I would say that seeing as how what we observe is that space is nearly infinitely dense and matter is nearly infinitely empty, I would say time is probably nearly infinitely short. <laughs> I like it. So definitely is in the studio. 
Yeah, time <laughs> fucking speeds up in the igloo. It's unbelievable. As soon as you get in here, time And it's goes a weird faster. Faraday cage design with a bunch of electronics inside it. So there could be some sort of fucking physical attribution to it. We could be like living in a time experiment. Well, you sound a normal pitch, normal speed from my end. <laughs> Don't put us on three quarter speed. Well, it's very minute. It's taken it's taken over a year for the studio clock to advance twelve minutes. Closer to doomsday. Hmm. So, so try you guys wrap your head around this then, because this is part of the thing that happens with you. You know, mainstream science comes up with these this research. And you've you've come across some of these as well, Craig, and and uh, and yet it doesn't it doesn't become it takes a while for it to become part of the mainstream paradigm. So like sure. this is this is talking about time again. So there's an article here from Technology Review. It says physicists created the first world's first time crystal. So it says they were predicted in 2012. And and Craig, you heard about this way back, right? And I had just forwarded this to you not too long ago, and, and you're familiar with it. But so yeah, does this does, does this kind of play into what you're talking about? So it says now researchers have created time crystals for the first time and say they could one day be used as quantum memories. So it says, uh, should I, how much of this should I read? Okay, so crystals are extraordinary objects, not least because of their symmetry. Crystals from, form repeating patterns that are the same in some directions, but not all directions. That's something of a surprise, given that the laws of physics which govern their formation are all in the same direction that the laws of physics are spatially symmetrical, but crystals are not is a phenomenon known as symmetry breaking. It comes about not by adding energy to a system, but by taking it away. Indeed, crystals are a manifestation of systems in their lowest energy states by the laws of physics, but the laws of physics are not only symmetrical in space, but also in time. And that raises an interesting question of whether it's possible to break temporal symmetry in the same way. In other words, is it possible to create time crystals? Today we get an answer thanks to the work of Chris Monroe at the University of Maryland in College Park and a few pals who have created a time crystal in their laboratory for the first time. Now, this has also happened in two labs, actually, wait, using wait, wait, different wait, wait, processes. Wait, 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 don't point at me. I'm not pointing at you. I'm just holding up two. two. What the fuck's a time crystal? I'm, I'm explaining that to you. No, you're not. You're yeah. just saying words. No, I'm not. <laughs> just saying words. Well, Craig's going to help explain okay. it. That's why, that's why I'm, I'm reading this here. It would make sense that there could be different states of time, just like there's different states of energy and different states of matter. That's, okay, hang on. Let me finish. This is the paragraph here. The basic process for making time crystals is straightforward. The idea is to create a quantum system, such as a group of ions arranged in a ring, and then cool them until they're at their lowest energy state. In these circumstances, the laws of physics would suggest that the ring should be perfectly stationary. But if time symmetry were broken, then the ring could vary periodically in time. In other words, it would rotate. Of course, it would never be possible to extract energy from this motion. That would violate the conservation of energy. But the temporal symmetry breaking would manifest itself in this repeating motion in time, just as spatial symmetry breaking manifests itself as repeating patterns in space. That's the theory, but in the real world, things are not quite as simple. The main problem is that the quantum world is not governed by time-dependent variables. So time symmetry cannot be broken on this scale. So in ordinary circumstances, cooling a ring of irons to their lowest energy state would leave them stationary. Uh, but there are circumstances in which quantum systems do evolve over time. Monroe and company have focused on these. 
quantum systems that are not in equilibrium. Their quantum system is a line of equilibrium ions with spins that interact with each other. Then the interaction leads to a special kind of behavior. So anyways, I could keep going on and on, but I think Craig could probably even help us yeah, out on this sound, one. Those sound like they're a completely different kind, too, a, a completely different kind of effect. I mean, this is um, this is where, and this is one of the earlier concepts from um, this theory, and I do wish that I had a little bit better language for it, but this is where I always talk about three dimensions of time. That um, that if you if you just imagine all four of those um, colors or all four of the we have this graphic that I like to refer to that uh, nobody can see, but if you ref- think of uh, the four aspects of reality as being equal, well, let's explain explain all- what the graphic is because it's it's pretty cool. It's yes, it is cool. It's a tetra it's a tetrahedron, but it's in three dimensions and um, um, fractally. So it, 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 it's just a big tetrahedron with a tetrahedron on top and one on each of the three bottom corners. And each of those four tetrahedrons is self-similar, contains a top one and then a bottom three. And then within each of those, and this just goes um, up and down forever, except um, on the largest uh, boundary condition, we approach the corners, each of the four corners of the tetrahedron with increasing color. Four um, opposing colors on the on the color wheel, and each of them can represent one of the four aspects. You know, whatever you want, yellow would be you know time or what have you. And so this would mean that there are twelve dimensions, uh, but they're kind of not very related to each other. I mean, at least you can't. I mean, they're they're sort of the same thing happening. You almost have to wonder if um, if there are four universes uh, from the same four aspects of time somehow, like. Like you really can grow throughout time rather than throughout space, as crystals are proving to us. And so you probably can, you know, traverse throughout time as opposed to throughout space three-dimensionally. Not just two-dimensionally like traveling quickly around the sun and coming back not having aged as much. But three-dimensionally where you can, where you, where you, can, um, you know, it's, it's an omniscience, I suppose. Um, and hmm. navigate, like I can navigate. see some fucking dinosaurs? navigate through time and, and navigate through every possibility of time too i mean we're we're talking when when you say three dimensions of time you encompass so many huge gigantic complicated concepts the multiverse um you know alternate alternate universes all probability everything it's all contained within that simple statement three dimensions of time hmm. and if keep going if crystals can travel through it so can we right okay let me let me finish Which means ufo's are future us's Yes, as a matter of fact, um, when you see a UFO propulsion system, um, you're you're witnessing um, negative curvatures of space. And so that thing isn't really even moving; it's just surfing. And when it does so, um, if you had precise enough instruments, you could probably actually measure length contraction in the vessel itself. So that means you um, can go to fucking Alpha Centauri, but you're gonna have to be present for every fucking one of those days. Is that well, what, what it know. means? Like, does that mean you could, could? So that means you're. That does that 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 almost takes away the idea of actually traveling to other stars. You can only Except really travel for, around here through different times. If time's easier to traverse than the universe, <laughs> and time doesn't seem very easy to traverse, which means <laughs> the u- traversing the universe becomes fucking crazy. 
Oh, you got to do is know how to traverse time. That's right. Um, but that's, I guess that's see, what I'm getting we, at. So if I want to go to some place that say will take, you know, 8,000 years to get there, just to shoot out a number. So can time crystals get me there any faster or can time crystals just make it so that time doesn't pass while I'm going there, but I'm still, I'm, you know, time might not pass for the rest of the universe, but I'm still living out 8,000 years. Hmm. Well, you know, I couldn't really speak to, I haven't given any thought to what sort of practical effect these time crystals might have. I just sort of thought of them as a sort of an observational novelty, something that we could use to, you know, compute, to, 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 compute for sure. Okay, so can I, yes, yeah, I, I want to just finish um, reading this a little as, bit. Well, okay. But go, but you can, okay, here, let me, let me finish this off here. You're so, out. no, no, no. So it's, <laughs> so it says that interaction leads to a special kind of behavior. One of the strange features of quantum particles is they do not exist in specific locations. Instead, they are smeared out in space with the chances of them appearing anywhere governed by the laws of prob- probability. But in some circumstances, this can change. For example, a single electron inside a material can interfere with itself in a way that forces it to appear in a single location. This is known as Anderson localization after the physicists who predicted it in the 50s. More recently, physicists have investigated groups of quantum particles that interact with each other in a way that causes them all to become localized. This so-called many-body localization is a delicate state that maintains the quantum particles in an out-of-equilibrium state. In other words, it forces them to be localized, and that's exactly how this chain of Yitterbrium ions behaves. One of the key properties of these ions is their mag- magnetization or spin, which can be flick- flipped up or down using a laser. So flipping the spin of one ion causes the next one to flip and so on. These spin interactions then oscillate at a rate that depends on how regularly the laser flips the original spin. In other words, the driving frequency determines the rate of oscillation. But when Monroe and company measured this, they found another effect. These guys discovered that after allowing the system to evolve, the interactions occurred at a rate that was twice the original speed. Since there is no driving force with that period, the only explanation is that time symmetry must have been broken, therefore, thereby, allowing these longer periods. In other words, Monroe and company created a time crystal. The team went on to measure some of the properties of these crystals. They found, for example, that changing the driving frequency did not change the frequency of the time crystal. This represents the rigidity of the discrete time crystal, they say. And they found other perturbations could eventually destroy the time crystal. When when that perturbations are too large, the crystal melts. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. And I think they're saying... When does the crystal melt? If the perturbations... You're you're just making me say that word again. What's the per- when they're too large? The perturbation. So yeah. that means when it's vibrating too much. Yeah, probably. Hmm. But uh, I don't think it creates energy. Like even though they can, the the, uh, the quantum frequency it will create, double. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't use it either. Exactly, but it just changes the speed. That's how they know it's changing in time, right? Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I yeah. can't think of many practical uses though, other than computing. Like then you could uh, all of a sudden you get to like you're computing and. I know. I can't wrap my head around it either. <laughs> right, you're yeah. computing in quantum. I mean, you're you're then you're then your information is is retrieved. Yeah, I don't think even quantum computing thought they could get to the point where they're computing at. I mean, never mind light speed. 
This is like computing at fucking where you. I mean, you tomorrow. Can, you can no. You're computing where you can put the most insane fucking problems you could ever think of, and you get your answers instantaneous. Yeah. Because it can take a year and go into fucking its time crystal. Actually, you get them before it back out. As you, you think of the question, the answer's already there. Well, you know, you'd have to give it the question because it's not reading. Yeah, it knows. It knows you're coming to give it the question, right? <laughs> no, this isn't a fucking alien. <laughs> Well, maybe it does. You know, but is it is a time crystal conscience conscious? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know that that's one of the questions that I'm I'm skirting around. Let's a little say bit, that it's not matter is really, yeah whether matter is really um, aware matter itself as opposed to you know metabolizing life metabolizing life. Well, matter, matter probably just has to be arranged in a certain way. Well. Now, it does affect, you know, as far as the observer effect, it does affect the space around it. Matter um, collapses the vacuum in the nearby space around it, and that's why uh, the time acts differently. So that makes it at least partially aware. All matter, every every proton is at least partially aware. Hmm. They do say that, that, that one of the practical uses might be quantum memory, so it might be more of a... You know, like a hard, what is like a hard drive, like you know, like the Akashic records in the in a tiny crystal kind of thing. Well, and one thing though that they did say is the that Akashic is, records um, aren't in a tiny crystal; they're in the cloud. You jackass! Not anymore. If you create a memory that can hold it all, then you put it all in there. No, 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 <laughs> no. That's the wrong like, analogy. What? Because the Akashic Records is like the cloud. This time crystal would be a physical device. Yeah, you put the cloud into the crystal because it's got so That's much not space. How it works. To... You have to channel the crystal. You have to channel the cloud. The Akashic. So, then channel it in then. Okay, well, how come no one's. So when we have a time crystal, we can download the Akashic Records? That's what I'm saying, yeah. And we can print it out? That's drawn a pretty long bow. Well, I didn't say print it. You can access <laughs> it. That's still drawn a pretty long bow. <laughs> then just connect it to the internet. I mean, then, then you've got the physical cloud. That's what they're saying is, is uh, you know, as impl- it's a robust quantum memory would be like, you know. Super fast computer. I guess, yeah. That's and anyway, just cloud. a couple of days ago, I saw an article come out that they wrote some self, some AI that was actually better at writing AI than we are. Oof. Oh, yeah, that's how it's going to go for sure. Like, <laughs> we're going to get to a point where our algorithms just fucking take over. And start, you know, because you you can already see the beginnings of like self fucking self advancing algorithms that can like. Well, I think the schism in reality has already um, manifested this year, at least in my country. Anyways, I would say, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the schism resulting from, of course, the bubble that you know Facebook yeah. and Google have put us in. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all algorithms. Yeah. The filter Surprise, bubble. motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in a bubble. So And you're not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, well I've been giving people a hard time too. I mean, you know, the fact is that um I, I was I was really hoping that this whole fiasco was gonna delegitimize politics a little bit. It's really involved everyone actually in the end. Yeah. So yeah. um and then and then we lose sight of the fact that it the president really doesn't matter much. I mean, he doesn't have much power. He sets maybe the social direction, but that's about it. Well, we, I mean, geez, we might see, we see, I think that might be proving that, that wrong because that's the way I always used to think. But I mean, we'll see how much, pre- this, I think we'll see how much power a president actually yeah, has. We'll 
We'll definitely see. But let's but let's stay away from politics because that's right. uh, that's losing us listeners. Really just I don't want to go from time time quantum akashic time computing to politics, oh, but but it is uh, an interesting analogy. So I wanted to talk about the other couple things that, that grabbed my attention while you're coming up with this. You might have come across dogma in the in the scientific world, and I, I like how you mentioned the difference between the scientific method and the scientific. What did you use? Uh, institutions or establishment? Establishment, right? There's a big difference there. When people bash science, it's not like they're bashing the method; they're bashing the the you know, the politicization and the, the, the funding of, you know, the, the corruption of the institution or the establishment. Um, but you were mentioning one that really, really caught my attention, which was the universe expansion, right? And Darren, what do you think about this? So if the universe is expanding out constantly, how can they also say that, you know, galaxies are colliding? Yeah, we see all kind of multitudes of colliding galaxies out there. Andromeda, our nearest neighbors coming right towards us, but they still peddle us the pennies glued to a balloon analogy. And the two are just, they're mutually exclusive. And that's just one. I mean, there's so many things like that. It's like we can't see the forest for the trees. If you study something, some of the most obvious things about it are just lost on you. And I think that's the whole reason I was able to come up with this. I had no formal training, no preconceived ideas or notions. I didn't have any emotional attachment to a worldview, nothing like that. I just, my college roommate died, and he was really into this stuff. And I just thought, oh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start um, really looking, you know, at the act. I'll get the internet. I'll start looking at everything that I can and just write it out. And and that's like five, six years now. So, so Darren, did you did you catch that? So. If the universe is expanding constantly, right, out, yes. how can galaxies be colliding? They can't be. If everything's expanding out, they can't bump into each other because everything is expanding out. Mm-hmm. So there's a major contradiction right there between well, it's also It's also expanding into what? Because the universe does obey the conditions um, set out for the definition of a black hole. So all of space can't have started out the size of a sugar cube and be expanding because it would be oh, all of space as opposed to unspace. No, oh, even it the will. guys that are telling you that on the TV, you <laughs> can tell they don't believe it when they're telling it to you. On the TV. But it's, it's not necessarily false. I just think that it's a bit misconstrued. Really what we're talking about is I think an it's... extremely even distribution of space, matter, energy, time in the early universe. It was so uniform that you couldn't really differentiate between the four forces. They had to come about, they had to you know, amalgam slowly out of themselves, differentiate from themselves. This was a very slow process where the universe comes to be. And remember, with inverted perspectives, if you if you observe something like that happening from the outside, what you're going to witness is an explosion, a big bang-sized explosion, as time slowly coalesces into coming to be. And now, as we observe all of these universes supposedly accelerating away from us, looking through vastly empty tracts of space... After we've observed uh, what happens to time in proximity to mass, you know, time goes by faster the closer you are to something. We think about how far those deep, empty tracts of space are away from anything. And it stands to reason that the actual travel through them would be almost infinitely quick. That you could really go through intergalactic space in a heartbeat. It's extremely efficient because there's no other matter there to throw the vacuum off balance. 
it's extreme negative curvature throughout huge portions of empty space out there. And this is what creates the illusion of the acceleration, let alone the expansion, all of the lensing done throughout the great vast distances that we observe light going around from distant stars. Maybe These it's all just compound. orbiting something. Yeah, it's all orbiting itself. That's right. Yeah, it's a black hole. It's all self-contained, and it's got you know all these other black holes in it. They're all self-contained, and they all contain. The or this, we I mean, the I've always, I've always thought there could just be maybe more than more to light than we've figured out so far. I mean, well, because light, a lot of a lot of the you know the expansion shit comes from the light differentials, right? Blue light versus red light versus I mean. We could that to me to me anyway, and I'm fairly ignorant on the matter, but it seems to me like it that could easily just be fumbled up somewhere. You know what I mean? That could just be the one thing where someone someone like yourself is just one day like, Hey, wait a second. What <laughs> the fuck is <laughs> and then I, boom. I, I think it's just harder nowadays. Like I think I almost think sometimes you would have better like the 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 um the the really sweet spot of new of science and new discovery was like you know i don't know when the real church clamp down ended but sometime between then and like you know the 40s 30 or 40 years the, ago i think the 40 yeah the 40s like i was reading, up until like the 70s or the 60s i think is when it started getting i was reading up on was the, that johnson amendment that stops the churches from that being politically active, it may have been then. Mm. I was reading up on the Bell Labs, like this called the Idea Factory, this audiobook on the the. Um... But I mean, nowadays it seems like I'm saying like from like fucking seventeen hundred to like nineteen fifty, and then it's been a real <laughs> clampdown on trying to get anything new out. That's what I'm saying. They yeah. had a so get this in 1924, the Bell Labs had th- they had thousands of scientists in Bell Labs in 1924. They had full autonomy to be curious. And be creative and just come up with stuff. Ventures, vented interests spring up. Yeah. And they created all kinds of shit. Fiber optics and the, the transistor and radar and all kinds of shit because they had the, the create they had the ability to be in a team environment being creative. Without, and then I think all those, like, I think that's gone now. I mean, there's all these high tech labs that are still around, but I think that well, that kind of, I think that kind of innovation, I mean, more of the idea of more like theoretical like stuff, theoretical physics and stuff, well, theoretical physics, which I mean, at the end of the day is really just fucking mathematical philosophy. I, you know, that's where I kind of took a different track. I think I went with geometrical philosophy. Yeah. And, yeah. And, that's, that's a much better way to fucking put it. Yeah. I think, but it's think still it's philosophy. A, yeah, well, technically, yes, but it's based on observation, so it's a, it's a bit of a... Yeah, that's right, that's right. It's Yeah, you're right. It's based on observation, so it's better than philosophy. A little better. <laughs> a little it's better, still, but sometimes uh, seeing isn't believing, so that makes it fucking... Maybe it's worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and science still needs philosophy, too. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Just like with Bell Labs, I mean, you have... I mean, like music is my language. You have, um, you know, artists who were given creative control and they were as big as they could get and then you have artists who are just um swarmed by a room full of producers and you know and they and they put out records that they can't stand themselves and, you know the institution every time it gets in the way and, yeah. and it didn't start and, and so everything kind of always starts out like a very pure sort of innocent garden and then vested interests spring up you know the human hand corrupts everything it touches give it a century and it's an outdated institution i don't care what it is so 
you know, the, uh, the science actually has become, as far as I'm concerned, has become the old, what the religion used to be a few hundred years ago. It's puritanical science that we're, uh, that we're yeah, struggling. That's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. The science, the, the academic fucking stronghold of today is as bad as the church was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except the they, except they don't fucking, well, they don't, except wor- they don't hang you. They just fucking destroy you. They just you tax you. Career. They rip you one. <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be reading all my hate mail. Yeah, send your hate mail to craigflowers13 at gmail. <laughs> so mm-hmm. can, can you explain again, can we backtrack a little bit to how how this, uh, this happened to you? Like how this process happened? Like you had a little bit of an awakening or something, a couple synchronicities, mm-hmm. but... but did it take a while to formulate this whole thing? Like, was the idea, was it popped into your head and then you had to sort of let it leak out over time? And like, I had just had to articulate. I had to find it. It felt like it was um, downloaded to me, like, like almost like pure telepathy, you know, and there was just simply no code. And that's why it took, there was no, there was no Rosetta Stone for me. And that's why it took me, you know, five good solid five years of just every day thinking about it to get to where I'm at. You should, um, you gotta, you gotta get in touch before I forget with Grant Cameron, who's been talking to people and people that have had these downloads like yourself. Mm-hmm. So do, do you yeah. think that you did yours come from, do you think that there was any chance that it was, was downloaded through any kind of uh, interference or anything like that? Uh, well, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't say, there's like one, any clue, missing one time. Clue. Um, there, there's one little clue that I have, but it's not from that day. It's from the eight years before when I saw the UFO. And I, was, yeah, yeah. I was, I got home from work and I just, I have a, a tree that I go and sit in, you know, smoke a bowl, put my feet in the, in the stream. And I was walking home. It's about a half a mile. And I look up and I see the thing. And, um, within about, I would say 72 hours of that, I'm driving down the road in this car that I used to have that I never used. It was a purple station wagon. I just thought, Oh, I'll take the old car out and I get a mile down the road and I encounter a gigantic owl in the middle of the road. Oh, come on. No, it was, it was too big for reality. It was not eight inches. It was not 18 inches. It was 36 inches tall. It was taller than the hood of my car and it took off. And and I just thought, I'm just going to hit this son of a bitch. This is scary. So, um, it took off and just clipped the you know like the bottoms of its wings and its feet on the top of my car as i drove by just terrified and because i know owls aren't supposed to get that big i don't know what i saw i know it looked like an owl <laughs> and that's the only clue that i have about the whole thing and um, i wish that i knew whether there was missing time but like i said i couldn't even really address it when it happened so that day you didn't like you went really late to an appointment or anything like that yeah. <laughs> where you're going I in just, your purple car because yeah, that kind of got just got just got in the car. It was just purely spontaneous. Yeah, I wasn't going it, anywhere. No, because it can't get much better than the owl. I mean, I know I Mike yeah. Clellan's work, and that probably overlaps with some of Grant Cameron's work too. I mean, I wonder how many people that Grant Cameron has phys- has talked about that have these downloads that have come across an owl. Well, I wish I knew in either case whether I had missing time. Um, but uh, when I saw the UFO, I was just walking home, and my girlfriend just said, hey, dinner's ready. And then when the idea hit me, uh, I was alone in the basement. It felt like an instant to me, like my knees kind of gave out, and I caught myself before falling. But it could have been missing time. I don't know. I wish I did, because all the other, all the other um, parts are there. Missing. The owl is there. The UFO is there. 
You're, 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 I'm missing, yeah. yeah, your size, yeah. unless you somehow changed on the, on, and somehow, unless somehow your scale changed. Yeah. Well, if you go LBE, yeah, I mean, you're not in matter anymore, are you? Yeah, but time and reality isn't advancing then, is it? Yeah, in reality, reality is, yeah. You're, when you're in your OBE, your body's just your lying there, switching out on the fucking floor. No, that's, that can't be how it works, because people can dream for hours and hours and hours and wake up, and it's like three minutes later. No, I think that's been debunked. No. Out. If you cast yourself out, sometimes you can experience a whole day and then wake right back up. And has it Not been a I've day? Have you been on the floor for a day? Or have you been on the floor for five minutes? Oh. But that's uh, what we're saying, I think, is time is, di- time is different there. But that's then not missing time. When you wake up and you... No, that's not missing time. That's found time. You found different. some extra time. Missing time is from the abduction. So well, OBE, an OBE right? is found time. Yeah. You found some time. Yeah. You blacked out, and same with, you know, you yeah. blacked out for five minutes, and it felt like three hours, and you figured some shit out. Which would be cool. I, that well, was my first, my very first thought when I came to was, you know, it feels like I was there, whatever that was, for all of infinity, and finally just got bored and decided to come back. That's what it felt like. That's well, right. But in real, in re- here, nobody. That's definitely would a even... lot of found time. Should we? Should we uh, try hang up and get the Skype call back? We're losing our connection here. Have you changed oh, anything on your end, Craig? Wire. Uh, I accidentally unplugged my headphones just a second ago. You want to start over? Well, that shouldn't be, uh, that shouldn't affect the connection. Uh, I unplugged it, plugged it back in. But these are borrowed. I'll just stop moving around. No, that, yeah, that's, that, that seems, seems better now. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I'll just sit like this. <laughs> Don't move, Craig. But yeah, Darren, missing time is from the abduction thing, right? Like, yeah, you know, I know. So that you come back yeah, after yeah, a couple time hours. is when you outside. show up and it's been fucking five hours and you think it's been a half an hour an ob would be the opposite yeah but you can find that missing time through so hypnosis just, so but they're just they're doing they're doing that to you that's not really an effect exactly yeah yeah well yeah you got to so get in touch with grant cameron for sure i'll i'll, I'll get you in touch with him right i mean I, i'm familiar with the name i know if, i know uh, mike clellan's work so I'll find it. You yeah, touch, touch with James's mom too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope he fucking listens to that one. Yeah. Sorry, Craig. <laughs> yeah. You just became part of an internal joke. It's all right. I didn't get caught up enough, I guess, on the episodes I've missed. <laughs> no, no, it's they... not even part of Grand America. It's just a an ongoing. Oh, okay. Me and my buddy are trying to bring back mom jokes. Hmm. And I, mm, I drop him, I drop him into the podcast sometimes on him where he can't retaliate. Hmm. Okay, well, we have we have explained a number of things, but there are all kinds of things that we haven't. But it's, I mean, we're already over, I think, aren't we? It's well, there's no, there's no, there's no, you know, there's, there's no. What, no what are some of the other things that you wanted to uh, to touch on? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's. I mean, we can talk about just about anything. We can talk about the, you know, the um, what makes up molecules. You know, in the way that that matter forms. Yeah, I was going to mention kind of that actually right there, like the pair production thing of the growing Earth theory, kind of. Yeah. 
Well, like no, that, I can't so. actually speak to pair production. The theory doesn't touch on that at all, but it doesn't—it doesn't deny or confirm it. I mean, it sounds legit enough. I mean, but but doesn't your isn't that what you're talking about or what? Well, so talk about the matter way, creation in the, in the, at the at that level, then. Okay, so in super well in the Heretics Guide, in case I have to change the name, <laughs> um, what what you have to do is uh, you take a just a cross-section of space, take you a little chunk of space, and within it you have time that you can traverse. You take the time away from that space. You displace it with energy. It's just like Bill Hicks said. It's it's exactly what Bill Hicks said. That you know, matter is just energy condensed to a slow vibration. So this is written right into the formula in sentence structure. Matter is space-time divided by energy. It makes logical sense. Um, space-time um, divided by energy, as in the space and time, are taken apart. The, t- the time is taken out of that space and displaced by energy. That's what matter is. The definitions actually are, cohes- are coherent, cohesive sentences. Um, space is matter and energy divided by time. There makes sense. Um, so when you do this, you're, um, when, you, when you displace the time from the inside of this proton this way, um, you're displacing it to the area around the proton, you see, and that's why that's it, it stretches out and it, and it travels faster. And, um, and because of the difference in um, vacuum density between the proton and the area around it, it spins, this proton spins at the speed of light, which means that it does not experience time. It's outside of time, and therefore there's likely only actually one proton. You can wrap your head around that one. Instead of a wave of a bunch of protons, it's just one proton in an infinite number of places. Yeah, yeah, super location. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's pretty good, Dan. <laughs> yeah, ex- except it's super location for protons instead of for electrons. Just, you know, electrons are only orbiting a proton about. Uh, Do you think it can be at that scale? Or maybe it's just way less protons than you think. I don't think one. One's a bit much. One what? One proton. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like it could be any number. Who you knows? Know, a couple thousand. <laughs> yeah, it could be a couple thousand for the whole universe. We don't know. We'll, we'll probably but I think because pair production is more energy, right? It's something to do with the, the energy of the protons. So it could be that it's got something to do with, I think, the photons. The photons from the sun yeah, start interacting with the pressure at the center of the fucking Earth yeah. or whatever planet. And when those two things hit each other, they fucking start creating protons. Photons. Well, no photons well, and fucking the whatever turn into protons, right? Because protons no, I, start turning into now you're making matter. I, you know, I didn't get it, the details of it. It seemed it seemed okay to me, but the thing was the reason I didn't really look very closely is because you be, you begin to reach a redundancy in values if you actually go with that system. Because, uh, and you know, this is something that nobody takes into account. You know, the rate of accretion. Uh, every single day, even now, we take on 100 metric tons of space debris every day. And the rate of increasing has actually increases as, as you go back in time. Not just increases, but increases exponentially. This is the nature of planetary formation. Our space begins quite undifferentiated, difficult to travel through. It's just another uh, fractal of the beginning of the entire universe. 
Um, I think his research is more like the you, you could actually find rifts in the ocean well, where it's ripping, but, where it's stretching. Right, but the point though, the point though is that um, as you go back in time and this uh, amount of mass that we take on every day increases, and you account for periods of bombardment. I mean, the rock itself that took out the dinosaurs had to weigh something. All of this stuff, and then you actually get the numbers right there just from accretion itself. To have like one sixth less gravity 250 million years ago, which by the way, uh-huh. beginning of life of dinosaurs, by the way, is actually about 20% of the entire life of the Earth. So that's not really that unreasonable to think that it's expanded that much just from accretion in that time. Now, we don't suffer from it that badly now, but like I said, there's an infinite well, it could belt of past. It could be both. Yes, yes. They're not, we really love false dilemmas. They're not multi- mutually exclusive. No, I just thought maybe the math was a bit high, actually, that uh, accretion itself isn't. Because I think it. actually, no, his thing was, yeah, his, his, so, so pair production doesn't kick in, can't even kick in until mm-hmm. accretion like gets this. you to a certain yes. level. Yeah. And I think that's what he said is, is that shit, is that pair production didn't even start until 65 million years ago or 100 million. You know, it was someplace in the last 150 million years is when pair production actually started on Earth, when Earth got to, this, got to the point. That where there was, was enough bigger, pressure? Where there was enough pressure that fucking, it turns on. Yeah, puncture. Well, and we also. So there's actually a thing here from Britannica that says pair production is a direct conversion of radiant energy to matter. It is one of the principal ways in which high energy gamma rays are absorbed in matter. For pair production to occur, the electromagnetic energy in a discrete quantity called a photon must be equivalent to the mass of two electrons, whatever the fuck that means. Well, the mass of two electrons is it's quite small, actually, com- comparatively. But these are the kind of things these uh, where it must be exactly equivalent. These are the kind of things that the universe actually does for us because of that balanced, um, perfect equilateral relationship between the four. That's where photons come from. Exact same thing as the proton being just a boundary condition at the smallest scales between time and space. The photon is the same thing. It's just uh, it's a different uh, it's a different uh, you know iteration, I suppose. A different, we have all different scales, different fractals of the same boundary conditions the universe puts up automatically via the E equals ST over M dynamic. Because uh, the, the tetrahedron has to be perfect. It will not form if it doesn't have all four sides of all, all three sides of all four triangles equilateral. These, I'm talking in terms of geometric force. You know, this is the most stable geometry in three dimensions, the simplest, the smallest. Um, um, area and smallest volume and so it's the inverse of the sphere and that's why you get those that 19.47 you know line on earth and on jupiter all these places with all that action because every uh, spherical dynamic contains a tetrahedral dynamic within it and every tetrahedral dynamic contains a spherical dynamic within it they're polar and so the, yeah this is uh, just another uh, instance of the universe just being nothing but bifurcations uh, dualities experienced from the middle uh, photons, protons, all of them are nothing more than a perfect harmony, a balancing point between the two, uh, where they emerge, it's, emergence takes place. That's what emergence is, is when something new springs up, you get a whole new dimension from an interference pattern of some sort. Hmm. That's what geometry is. Geometry is, uh, you know, emergence from math. Uh, if you're talking about the two in terms of which one would I use to describe the universe. And that's why I just, I don't like math for it. 
I don't use it at all. I don't use numbers. If everything is relative anyway, then it's all just a matter of scale. So if you want to, I know that I say equals ST over M energy equals space time divided by matter. And it seems, you know, pretty esoteric, pretty um, vague. But if you want to put empirical units in there, you can, it'll work. Uh, because, uh, you know, they say that, oh, this is a, a circular argument, you know, you can't have a closed system like that. Well, that's that's what the metric system literally is. A, a kilogram, I think it is, is defined as, uh, you know, the weight of a cubic centimeter of water at uh, room temperature or at freezing or boiling. I mean, these are all parameters within the other parameters. Everything that we measure is circular. The measurement problem is real, and we just put it we just put it in our pockets and forget about it. And and all of it points to this oneness, this um, this sort of super singularity, I suppose. I think that's a it, gram. A gram of water is equal to a cubic centimeter. No, 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 no. A gram is oh a yeah, right, right, yeah. Yeah, Graham. Okay. Well, still, um, they're both. They're. It's no better. It's definitely no better than E equals st over m. They're both circular. I mean, every you know, um, uh, velocity is just distance over time. Every, um, everything out there is just something over something else, and then those other two things are just that thing over the other, and it's all circular. Huh. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You gotta. You gotta make a video. Yeah, you could make a very visual video, probably. You might have to put those four equations, those four circular equations that are very coherent. I I, I like it. Yeah, because to calculate any of those, you just like to calculate matter, it's space and time divided by energy. Calculate Mm -hmm. space, it's matter and energy divided by time. I like it. I like it. I think you're on to something here. But it it's does pretty seem to heavy stand for, on its, it's own. pretty heavy for a lot of people. Oh yeah, I find it's pretty stuff like that. It's intense. Starts to get a lot easier when you can start really making it visual somehow. Yeah, I don't know well, how the fuck that's you what do I would, that, or you just got to write a book. Well, I was go, I was going to write a book, but the the fact is that nobody wants to read this already, and it's only thirty pages. It's 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 really a it's a slog. Is it only thirty oh, pages? You, no, it's pretty. Edit, why don't you edit that out and just make it a uh, giblet? Well, I don't know what I'm going to do, actually. that's I'm kind of stalled on it because I was going to... Because, I mean, for your first writing. interview, you, 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 you were able to speak about it pretty eloquently. Yeah. Like, like I think you can uh, you can roll this out and start... Um, yeah, we barely like, touch the surface. Yeah, you might, you might gain a little traction through us. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, I mean... Yeah, I think it's worth putting down on paper, and uh, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, like I mean, uh, the, it's it's almost open source, right? Yeah, well, sure, you, yes. You There's nothing it proprietary to a, about to it. A couple hundred thousand people, and all of a sudden you get a couple emails, and yeah, you know, someone will get someone on a couple shows, a and someone emails you, and they're like, "Hey, you know, I can make this," or you know, you yeah. network with someone else who's got an idea that kind of piggybacks off of yours, or you know, you're a missing piece, or they've got a missing piece, or. Have you thought about going through like the Nassim Harriman, um, the Resonance mm-hmm. uh, Academy training program type well, yeah. thing? Or I have reached out to him a little, but he's he sure put up a lot of barriers. Um, I kind of gave up on that a few years. Yeah, ago. Yeah, he, he's just he's impossible oh, to yeah, get a hold impossible. of now. Even the people yeah. that organize conferences can't can't uh, 
get a hold right. of them. It's very difficult. So you, you don't take that personal at all. And I mean, no, you can get course. a hold of his emissaries and stuff like that. But but I, yes, I, I, I have been talking to one of them. Yes, good, and also good. to the uh, website editor on. I shouldn't say it, but on Graham Hancock's website, we we've been talking a little. So oh, that's I mean, good. Good. I'm a little stalled as as far as what medium to go with from yeah. here on. But, yeah. Um, yeah, a visual video would probably be a good thing. I don't. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But I what I will say you. is if anybody wants to go Neither and read Relativity, now. that you probably do need at least go through it twice, probably at least three times, actually, uh, because it is so dense and so intense, uh, you know, that because that was the point. I, I said I have to pack the entire universe into 10 pages, and eventually I couldn't help turning it into 30, but, well, it's more like 35 now because I went in and wrote a whole bunch today. Do you have it online? Yes. Um, there, There's obviously Super Relativity uh, on Facebook, and the Heretic's Guide to Reality also has a Facebook page. Both of those have the link to the actual guide. And I've got right all now, and I've got all those links, and I'll put them in the show notes as well. Okay, yeah. Right. yeah. But sorry, and what right were you saying? Well, I've got it embedded in Google Docs at the moment, and I just saw, like yesterday, I think, or the day before, that Google announced that they are doing away with Google Docs. But wherever it ends up, the links will always um, be in Facebook, Super Relativity, and The Heretic's Guide to Reality. Yeah. Which, if you can't, if you want to remember The Heretic's Guide to Reality, it's The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm just trying to be clever. Because, you know, 42, that actually does go a little better with 211, but... <laughs> <laughs> True that. Yeah, I'm guess 211. It came on and told you all about 42. So go and read The Heretic's Guide to Reality. Um, Talk about it because sharing is caring. And this is not proprietary for me. All I care is, you know, revelation. Every time that someone's eyes light up because they see the universe for what it really is for the first time, that's what matters. A simulation. Oh, you bet. It could be. Could be not. Um, I like to do a kind of inverted uh, Drake's equation on the simulation theory. It's It's... Possible, but extremely unlikely that we're the only life out there. And it's possible, but extremely unlikely that we are not assimilation. And it's just the math. That's what I think, too. I think it's more, that's, a, yeah, that's, that's, I think it's the the more conversations I have and, and form <laughs> together, it just seems more likely that it's, uh, it's all just a game, man. Yeah, and if it, if it turns out that it actually balances itself for you, if you just get the balance right, E equals S2 over M, and it creates itself, then simulations are extremely easy to create, aren't they? That's right. We don't have to fine-tune anything. We can just put E equals STM into a quantum computer, and there's a universe right there. Ding, 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 That's so interesting. Ding, so, ding, I mean, I, I have ding, a feeling ding, that ding, 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 even with like Nassim Harriman's work, I have a feeling that even though yours overlaps with him and you've, you know, you've right. used a lot of his concepts, <clears throat> I have a feeling that it would be hard to break into that and shift like, you know, to shift his reality towards yours at all or how they can incorporate your, your formulas. Mm-hmm. Like it might be still difficult, but I mean, I think that's definitely a road that... You could go well, what, right now, see. what I do is just to encourage people to go ahead and learn his stuff and then come back to mine. You yeah. Know? I mean, I'm yeah. not trying to compete or anything. I just want people to, I mean, I know, I've seen the light bulb go off in a couple of people, you know, and they're changed people. So. Yeah. Well, uh, it's definitely interesting. I mean, there's enough, there's enough sort of dogma out there holding us back as well. And there's enough, you know, new evidence that's not taken into account as well, you know, that's constantly, Especially you know, the in, paradigm's uh, changing so slow, you know? Yes, and that's, I think that's what frustrates me the most is that we're not teaching, I mean, 
I guess you could only really expect propagandist uh, education from a public school system, but nonetheless, it would be nice to just get, uh, you know, online uh, science curriculum, at least, rather than 15-year-old books that we inherited from another school, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's all. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine looking at a 15-year-old book right now? It's probably <laughs> stuff that would, you know, imagine learning from that. Oh, yeah. out of date already. Yeah, I did. I did. We've got 2,000 people in my town. Really? So, so you guys were using textbooks that were that old? Oh, yeah. They're, wow. yeah. yeah. They're bad. They're bad. They may still have some of the ones I went to. I graduated in 99. They may still have some of the textbooks from then up here at this school. It's practically just a, a village. I mean, we really are the Shire. It's very cool. It's sheltered because the thing is that it's Houston, but it's not Texas. It's Texas County, Missouri. So you can't look it up. So it's just like accidentally <laughs> through its name. It's this well-kept secret, right? <laughs> nice. So it's Houston, Texas County, Missouri. Right. It's really hard to do that. <laughs> Wow. Like, I can't go to Houston, Texas County, Missouri, minus Texas. That doesn't work. So, yeah, we're a secret. That's pretty funny. And that is pretty I, funny. I, I do feel like that it helped us to be, like, Shire-like, very Shire-like. We are so simple and innocent here. I mean, it's cute. It's a little, it's a little insufferable. Yeah, you're like Frodo. Yes, of course. The world. A, yeah, we've got our... <laughs> we've got our slack-jawed yokels just like the rest of them and I feed them catfish all day and come home and think about physics there you go <laughs> oh, hey. yeah well I think you should think about a YouTube channel and getting this stuff something maybe putting I forward that, some yeah. physical I, well I mean putting some uh, visible uh, presentation together would would probably help I mean yeah uh, this is totally a, related to this um, so, so far you just have to you just have to get onto the heretics guide copy that and, you know share it and when I was hoping, you know, some somebody would give me some feedback, and we'll have some ideas from that about where to go from here. Yeah, because yeah. I, I was going to write a book, and then I thought, yeah. Well, um, you, you, well, you you've know. already you're already part way there. I mean, that's I I right. It seems like it's more than thirty pages from I've read it a couple times. And thirty seven, if you count all the spaces and yeah. gaps and pictures, but. Um, it was, should I expand upon this out to 300 pages or should I take what I've got and just make it a less dense mire so that people can actually read through it a little more easily? Yeah. Uh, and then I thought, well, people don't want to read at all. Maybe, you know, radio interview or podcast interviews and stuff. And, um, then eventually someone will say, Hey, I want to, I want to draw some designs on a graph on a screen over your shoulder while you talk or something. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for for taking the time, and thanks yeah, for listening. Awesome. Yeah, thanks yeah, for listening. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I hope I, I hope I can get through my own episode. And we'll see. Yeah, First well, time's tough. Yeah, warning. No matter what, it sounds really weird. So don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very normal. It takes about thirty episodes before you <laughs> get used to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good All right. Well. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah, it was super. I really like it. And uh, let me know when you you got a YouTube channel and all that, and we'll help promote it as far as we can. Yeah, I'll, I'll always keep you guys uh, up to date. Uh, it was awesome being on here. I really love how you just took a fan of your show and just listened to him and actually gave him a chance and got him on your show. I mean, this is incredible. I mean, there's, there's nobody else like that. You guys are cool. Right on. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for listening. And uh We'll help you, you know, we'll help you get the word out there and it'd be great to get some feedback from people and by all means, like people send spam gram or Craig's email. I'll put your email in the show notes if you don't mind, Craig. Do that. And they can get a hold of you directly and um, put you in touch with Grant Cameron. 
because it's uh, interesting how there's also a very a very spiritual um life-changing oh, yeah. as- aspect to this whole story as well which make just yeah, add with adds the whole you know it adds so much depth to it for me yeah yeah and i, sh- I should mention that too if you're going to read it, i mean because we do touch on a little bit of everything in there it's only 30 some pages but we get into the spiritual we we explain it all so yeah. we barely scratched the tip of the iceberg today yeah well maybe we'll have to have you back on again so maybe all right okay. buddy all right okay thanks, thanks a lot, lot guys. okay yeah, and bye that was a chat with uh, Craig Flowers. That was good. That was that fun. Was a great one. Yeah, that was fun. Look, I think I really like that idea of a time lattice. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how we picture space, time, and gravity working, is you lay down a lattice and you fucking set the ball in it and it rotates around it. I mean, you can get time as the same thing, but on a way smaller scale, and you can actually get to the point where you can look through it. Hmm. Huh. And that would explain why quantum mechanics seem to disobey those laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really uh, it's really an interesting interesting book. A small fractions time doesn't apply only as a whole. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, big thanks to Craig for coming to the show. And hey, without our uh, current program of uh, Value for Value, we probably couldn't do this kind of shit. Yeah, exactly. Advertisers exactly. wouldn't let us just have guys like this on. Yeah, just to publish a show with a listener, like a full show. This next, isn't just could be the next Einstein. Yeah. Yeah, so check out grandamerica.ca slash support. Uh, no ads or nothing. No ads, no paywalls, no anything. You know, we've taken the vow of poverty, and we're just going to see it through to the end, through through better or for worse. But uh, I have faith. You guys will come around. You already have. Big thanks to, to, to the people who do subscribe. There's a bunch of you. You guys truly are the people that produce this show. If it wasn't for you guys... Uh, paying these bills, we probably wouldn't be, still be doing this. No, we couldn't be we, doing we, it. We couldn't afford it with with the time and the money constraints. It would just be too much. Yeah, at this point, at least not at this level. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to those of you who don't uh, don't donate. Uh, you should uh, just think about those people, those you know, fifty or sixty people that do support and uh, yeah. and pay all the monthly bills yeah. and, and keep the the things on the road. Yeah, and how fun is it to have these fresh conversations about new ideas? Like truly fresh, right? Like I mean this is you know, Craig's first time on a podcast and you know, we had another uh fresh idea last last uh week with yeah. uh what's his name again? That was a good one. <laughs> Here I am. What's my name again? <laughs> You might have to edit that out. <laughs> it was Alan Green? Alan Green. I always think of the monkeys. Is that, are we that tight? If not in the can? Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, of course, if you can't help us out voluntarily, check out uh, first, grammarica.ca slash support. If you can't do that, review the show, rate the show, spam gram, all that shit. Check the show notes. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Thank you.